As you all know, sharpfootballanalysis.com is the best place for fantasy analysis and betting information. You can choose from season-long, four-week, or weekly packages that best suit your needs. With Black Friday approaching, we are running a massive sale for Friday, November 26th only. Use code FRIDAY60 for 60% off any package site-wide at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal, here to talk through all the Thanksgiving football action with you and hopefully turn this into a profitable holiday for us. I've got a bunch of player props that I like on Thanksgiving, so we'll just go through the day game by game. And of course, starting off with the early game of the day, Bears at Lions. We got the Bears favored by three and a half in this game, total set to 41 and a half points. Obviously, this is a little bit difficult to analyze because as of right now, when I'm recording this, we don't know for certain if Justin Fields is going to play or not. Obviously, for the entertainment value of this game, hopefully Justin Fields suits up and we can avoid an Andy Dalton-Tim Boyle matchup. That would be a rough start to Thanksgiving. Uh, But, uh, you know, that is a possibility. So I'm going to cover this game from both angles right now based on if Fields does play. And then I've got a few props that I like if he doesn't play as well. Um, obviously Fields is dealing with a rib injury in this game. So, you know, even if he does suit up, he'll be less than a hundred percent, but I really like this matchup for him. If he does suit up, even if he's not fully healthy for this game, you know, we've talked a few weeks ago, we bet the under on Justin Fields passing yards a couple of times, specifically as it related uh, to his matchup against some teams that blitzed a lot, because that was an issue that Fields had in college dealing with the blitz. It was definitely an issue early in his uh, rookie season here, but somewhat surprisingly, we're already starting to see some improvement. I'm sure a little bit is that that is play calling. We've talked about Bill Lazor's impact on this offense over the past few weeks and how he seems to be ha- having a positive impact there. Um, but just looking at his last few games, Fields has actually performed pretty well against the Blitz, and I think it's especially noteworthy because it's against some de- decent defenses. I'll just run through some of his stats game by game against the Blitz real here against the Bucks. He was 13 of 14 for 112 yards, two sacks, zero turnovers, obviously very efficient there against the Niners, seven of 11 for 89 yards and a touchdown, no sacks, no turnovers against the Steelers, five of nine, 106 yards, one sack, no turnovers. And against the Ravens, obviously a very shortened uh, game for him. Uh, He was 0 for 2, took one sack against the Blitz. So not as effective against the Ravens, but very, very small sample size. Breaking his season kind of in half, if we just look at weeks 1 through 6 against the Blitz, he started out averaging 6 yards per attempt and an 18% sack rate. That was one of the big issues that he had in college was he just held onto the ball too long. He couldn't make quick decisions against the Blitz. And obviously that carried over to the first part of his rookie season. In those games that I just rattled off, though, those last four games, again, those are all pretty good defenses, 8.5 yards per attempt against the Blitz and a 9% sack rate. So he's cut his sacks in half. Now, I'm sure that's partially fields starting to feel more comfortable, partially maybe some adjustments to the play calling, making it a little bit easier for him to get the ball out faster. Um, But, you know, regardless, the combination of those two things, he's starting to become fairly effective against the Blitz. So I think that one big weakness, the one area where early in the season it looked like defenses could gain an edge just simply by bringing extra pressure and causing him to panic, that doesn't seem to be an area that where that 
you can gain an advantage against the Bears right now because Fields is handling the blitz so well. So, you know, especially considering that the Lions are not a particularly dangerous defense, if he was able to handle the blitz well against a team like the Bucks, Niners, Steelers, Ravens, you know, he's going to be just fine against this Lions defense. So uh, if Fields suits up, I like the, his passing yards over in this game. And another one of the reasons why I like it is, you know, we don't expect the Lions to have success blitzing him. I don't think they're going to be able to get pressure on him at all, which means he's going to throw down field a lot. The Lions get pressure on only 24% of opponent dropbacks this season. That's the second worst rate in the league. And when Justin Fields is kept clean in the pocket, he throws 10 or more yards downfield 41% of the time. That's a league high rate. So if we're assuming the Lions aren't going to get pressure on field, that means he's going to have time in the pocket to throw down field, which he's liked to do so far this season. So I think assuming he's able to suit up, you know, he'll, he'll have some time to get off some deep balls down the field to Mooney. And uh, he should have a pretty solid game against this really struggling Lions defense. So I, if he plays, I like the passing yards over for Justin Fields in this matchup. You know, that line isn't posted yet, you know, because of the injury situation. It might not be posted until close to game time if we do, in fact, find that he plays. But last week it was available at about 215 yards most places. So I would expect a little slight uptick from that based on the opponent. But even if it gets up to like 230 or so, I'd still take the over. Now, if Justin Fields can't play, obviously, you know, the, the, the uh, Bears offense is going to be uh, much look, it's going to look a lot different, even going up against a bad Lions defense. I, I still, you know, I think the Bears will probably win this game with Andy Dalton. Uh, you know, Dalton is, you know, as a veteran, still fairly good at avoiding mistakes, especially going up against a defense like the Lions that doesn't cause a lot of pressure. I think the Bears should be fine, but I don't necessarily think the offense will be as explosive as it could potentially be with Fields. There's a few areas where I think the offense definitely gets a downgrade. One of those, it's specifically going to affect tight end Cole Komet. With Dalton at quarterback this season, he's actually second on the team in routes run, but he's fourth in targets, only an 11% target share from Dalton. And that's pretty much in line with how Dalton has handled tight ends throughout his career. He just doesn't throw to tight ends a lot. Early in his career in Cincinnati, he did have Jermaine Gresham, and he threw to Gresham a decent amount. His uh, He threw to him 20% of the time in 2013. But that was the last time Fields uh, gave tight ends a 20% target share. Uh, he's typically much lower than that. Over the past five seasons, all tight ends have a combined 17% target share from Andy Dalton. So that ranks 38th out of 48 quarterbacks over that last five-year span. So Dalton does not throw to tight ends. Now, obviously, again, you know, part of that is just he hasn't had a lot of great tight ends to throw to. But, you know, I, I do think it's hard to adjust when you've gone so long in your career without looking to the tight end, without having the tight end passing game being a big part of your offense. It's hard to quickly adjust. So even though Justin Fields has seemingly gotten very comfortable throwing to commit over the past few weeks, his targets have really skyrocketed as Fields has gotten more comfortable in the offense. Uh, I would expect a downgrade because, you know, we, we saw it right out of the gate last week with Andy Dalton back there. He just, he, he only threw to commit once. So I'm going to look to take the under on Cole Komet's receptions. His receptions over the past couple of weeks has been available at 3.5, uh, uh, assuming it's available that same number. I'm definitely on the under. If it drops, you know, it could, and obviously this is a trend the sports books might also pick up on. If it drops a 2.5, 
I would certainly lean under on that, but maybe I'd just stay away at that point. But if we if we get the 3.5 number that we've had in recent weeks, I'm on the under on Cole Komet's receptions. Now, the other player that's really going to suffer from Andy Dalton is Darnell Mooney because, as I said, Justin Fields, especially when he's not pressured, he likes throwing downfield, and Mooney has been his primary uh, target there. And Andy Dalton has just flat out stopped throwing downfield. Uh, so far this season, he's thrown downfield 19. He's thrown 10 or more yards downfield on 19.2% of his attempts. That's a career low. His previous low was last year, and even that was significantly higher at 26.7%. So a really big drop-off in how how often Dalton has thrown downfield this year. And the fact that it also dropped last year uh, from previous seasons in Cincinnati, that tells me that, you know, maybe he's uh, just becoming a little bit less confident in his arm throwing downfield and the bears are going to have to adjust the offense to that. So that probably leads to a uh, pretty steep drop-off uh, in Darnell Mooney's opportunities, at least in his opportunities downfield. He may still see a good target share uh, overall, but he's going to have a lot fewer of those downfield targets, which is probably going to cut into his receiving yards. Um, with fields at quarterback this season, of Mooney's targets have been at least 10 yards downfield. It's basically one out of three times Fields throws his way. He's getting an opportunity downfield to stretch the field a little bit. With Dalton, the quarterback, that number is only 9%. Only 9% of his targets going 10 or more yards downfield. So he's still getting opportunities from Dalton, but it's a lot of the underneath stuff. And so he's going to have, even if he has six or seven receptions, it's going to be harder for him to rack up a ton of yards on those because that's the, the Bears offense with Dalton, the quarterback, just doesn't seem built to uh, give him a huge volume. So uh, I'm going to take the under on Darnell Mooney's receiving yards if Dalton starts. This number has typically been around 50 yards in recent weeks. Uh, I think it's fairly safe to estimate it's there. And if it's available around maybe the 45 to 50 yard range, uh, just just knowing that he's not going to get opportunities downfield, that he's probably not going to, you know, have a 25 yard reception or anything like that mixed in with Dalton at quarterback. I feel pretty comfortable Uh, taking the under on that around 50 yards. All right. Our next game on Thanksgiving is Raiders at Cowboys. We got Dallas favored by seven and a half total set to 50 and a half points. When approaching this game, the first thing I wanted to look at was how has the loss of Henry Ruggs hurt the Raiders passing game? Because obviously, as we talked about a few times, a few weeks earlier this year, based on some of the bets we were placing, we were looking at the fact that Carr had been doing a a really nice job stretching the field, taking deep shots down the field. That was a big part of the Raiders passing game. They were pretty explosive. So I wanted to look at some numbers and just see like, how has, how has the loss of rugs, one of their speedsters out there really changed the way they're able to play. And so I'll just throw out some numbers here. Derek Carr with and without Henry Ruggs, specifically looking at when, uh, when they're in a one score game. So these are Derek Carr's passing numbers with Ruggs on the field versus when Ruggs is off the field in a one-score game. So this includes the past two weeks, obviously, when he has not been on the field, but also includes earlier games in the season, just you know any play where he was not on the field. With Ruggs on the field in a one-score game, Derek Carr is averaging 9.8 yards per attempt, and 36% of his pass attempts have been at least 10 yards downfield. So having a ton of success in the passing game, explosive offense with Ruggs on the field, and taking a lot of deep shots. Without rugs on the field this season, Carr has averaged 7.1 yards per attempt, and only 29% of his passes have been at 10 or more yards downfield. So almost three fewer yards per attempt, the difference with rugs on and off the field, and his throws of 10 or more yards downfield have dropped by seven percentage points. 
So that's a, that's a pretty substantial difference. It's really made them a lot less explosive. And it makes sense. You know, Carr, even though Carr is still throwing downfield at a decent rate, there's plenty of quarterbacks who throw downfield less than 29% of the time, but they're just not having the same success. And it certainly makes sense. You know, the Raiders don't have a ton of depth at receiver. So you take away one of their, you know, fastest guys on the field, it's certainly going to change the way how defenses approach you. And so I also looked up these same on-off splits specific to the really deep balls, the balls at 25 or more yards downfield, because prior to losing rugs, Carr led the league in completions at 25 or more yards downfield. So I wanted to take a look at how just having him on the field affected the way Carr was able to have success. And this season with rugs on the field, Carr's 10 of 18 on passes 25 or more yards downfield. Obviously that's spectacular completing more than 50% of your passes at 25 or more yards downfield. When Ruggs is off the field, he's five of 13. That's, you know, that's not, that's not bad. You know, nobody completes a high percentage of those passes, but obviously he's not having the success anywhere near the rate that he was when Ruggs is on the field, because obviously for one, you lost Ruggs, you don't have his speed. And again, you know, it changes the way it's certainly easier for defenses to cover Brian Edwards and Darren Waller when they don't also have to worry about Henry Ruggs on the other side. Now, another stat I wanted to look into um, because I've brought it up on the podcast a few times this year is how Derek Carr has been awesome against the blitz this season. Uh, and, you know, Ruggs is obviously a part of that, but you would expect him to potentially ha- still have success in those situations, even without him, because, you know, w- when, when a team blitzes, chances are you probably have a one-on-one matchup and Carr has done such a great job of finding that matchup and giving his receivers opportunities to make plays in those one-on-one matchups down the field this season. Uh, he throws 15 or more yards downfield 34% of the time versus the blitz this season and averages 10 yards per attempt versus the blitz. So he's been great. He still has been effective against the blitz over the last couple of weeks. However, and this predates rugs coming off uh, the field, he's been blitzed a lot less often. It seems like teams really picked up on this trend early in the season and they've backed off the blitz in three of his last four games. Derek Carr has been blitzed fewer than 15% of the time. So it seems like most defenses have really identified this as, you know, you're not going to get a huge advantage by blitzing Derek Carr. He isn't one of the quarterbacks that you can rattle because he's become so comfortable identifying the blitz and making quick decisions to find that one-on-one matchup and giving his receivers opportunities. So teams have really just backed off and I would expect, you know, the Cowboys don't blitz at an extremely high rate to begin with. And so, you know, I would certainly expect them to have picked up on this trend also. And I don't think he's going to be blitzed at a high rate. So, you know, you, you factor in those stats that we threw out about how the passing game is much less explosive without rugs. We don't think he's going to be blitzed at a high rate. So that that area of the game where he's been so effective is probably not going to make up a huge portion of this game. Uh, that leads me to want to take the under on his passing yards. Even We've been on the over a few times this year, but it seems like you know, this is just a different offense than it was a few weeks ago. And we play some of those bets. So, that's available at 269.5 yards. And I'm on the under on Derek Carr. And, you know, I'll just throw out a couple more numbers here that, you know, make me confident betting this. He's gone under in two of his three games without Henry Ruggs. He's gone under his passing yards uh, props. And the passing yards under has hit for quarterbacks against the Cowboys now in six straight games. I think that the public perception, and you know, I certainly had this perception too until I I dug into some numbers a little bit more, was that the Cowboys are probably a below average defense. Um, But that just hasn't been the case lately. They've really they've really started to shut down the passing game 
uh, more and more as the season has gone on. And, you know, I, I think that we're probably still getting slightly elevated numbers for guys based on this perception that the Cowboys are a defense that you can throw the ball against. And it's probably why the under has hit in six straight games. And you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it hitting for a seventh straight game here for Derek Carr. And I, I dug into some numbers to see like, what is it about the Cowboys defense? Like, what have we missed? Why are we, why, why does the public seem to have this perception that they're a team that's going to give up a lot of points and a lot of yardage. And early in the season through week four, the Cowboys ranked 28th in pressure rate. And obviously that, you know, that was a really big weakness of them early in the season. They weren't getting to the quarterbacks and, you know, you know, pretty much any quarterback, if you can't get pressure on them, they're going to have time to sit in the pocket and almost anyone in this league can pick you apart. Since week five, they lead the league in pressure rate at 39%. So just a complete turnaround. And so I think our perception, I, I mean, I think I was a victim of this too. I definitely, uh, before looking up that number, I would not have guessed that they were so high in pressure rate. Um, we sort of like built our initial impression on the Cowboys defense, just sort of being a little bit inept at times early in the season, not able to get to the quarterback. Teams are throwing the ball downfield on them with ease. And that has, they've completely flipped the script on that. They're now leading the league in pressure rate since week five. So uh, a really remarkable turnaround. And I think we have to take them pretty seriously as a solid defense capable of shutting down even good quarterbacks in the league. So that's a lot of, that's a whole lot of factors that I rallied off there. The rugs difference, the blitz, the Cowboys defense. Uh, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of reasons like the under on Derek Carr's passing yards. And as I said, that's available at 269 and a half. So I'm definitely on the under that might be my most confident player prop of the day. Now, flipping things over to the other side, the Cowboys offense, this is a great matchup for Dak Prescott. I'm going to take the over on his passing yards. have not seen this line posted yet, but it's been around the 290 mark uh, in most recent weeks. So that's kind of the number that I'm expecting him to get. I think we got a pretty good shot of him topping uh, 300 passing yards in this matchup. And it has a lot to do with the matchup, just specifically with the Raiders defense and how they approach the game. They're one of the most conservative defenses in the league. They blitz at the lowest rate. And then they also play zone coverage at the third highest rate. And if you, you when you combine those two factors, they're playing with no blitz and zone coverage, 72% of their defensive snap. That's easily the highest rate, quite a few percentage points uh, higher than the next uh, highest defense out there. So they're not really mixing it up a lot. You know, three-fourths of the time, basically, they're just no blitz, dropping back in zone coverage and you know, it certainly makes sense that an efficient quarterback like Dak would be able to pick pick that kind of defense apart. And sure enough, Dak Prescott versus no blitz and zone coverage, he's averaging 8.5 adjusted net yards per attempt, which leads the league. So he's been extremely efficient against this type of defense. And, you know, again, it, it makes perfect sense with all the weapons that he has around him, even without Amari Cooper in this game, you know, but he does have Michael Gallup, who's been back for a couple of weeks now they've got more than enough weapons for, for Dak to pick apart that defense. If they're just going to give him a pretty standard look, no blitz, dropping back in zone coverage, he's going to pick them apart. And another thing that, you know, I, I also wanted to, knowing that we know what the Raiders defense is going to look like on almost every uh, snap, about three-fourths of the time, I looked specifically at their receivers. What does their target share breakdown look like? when Dak is throwing versus no blitz in zone coverage. And I was a little bit surprised by this, but it led me to feel pretty confident about another player prop here is that their leader in target share against that no blitz zone coverage. Look, it's Dalton Schultz, the tight end. He's got an 18% target share in that situation. So 
knowing we're going to see that about three fourths of the time, I love the over on his receptions. It seems like uh, against this look, you know, it might take away their ability to throw the deep ball a little bit. Obviously, if you're playing a lot of zone coverage, that can take away the deep ball, especially if you're not blitzing, you're not getting a lot of one on one matchups out there. So it makes sense that the tight end would be the guy that Dak looks to a lot in those situations. And he's been obviously been very efficient in doing so. So uh, Dalton Schultz's receptions prop has been available at 4.5 each of the last two weeks. I, I would expect it to be available there again. There's, there's really nothing else about this matchup that would lead me to believe it would uh, leap up higher than that. So hopefully we get Dalton Schultz over on receptions at 4.5. I think just based on this uh, matchup against the Raiders defense, it looks like a situation where he could see a really strong workload in this game. And finally, wrapping up the Thanksgiving uh, slate, we've got Bills at Saints on Thursday night. We've got the Bills favored by four and a half in this game. Total set to 45 and a half. This is also a tough game to evaluate, um, especially if you're trying to pick a side in this game because the Saints have just been decimated by injuries. They played last week without both their tackles, Taron Armstead and Ryan Ramchek. Uh, sounds like they may be able to get well, at least one of those guys back this week. Elvin Kamara has missed the last two weeks. Uh, and then on this week's injury report, Marcus Davenport popped up with a shoulder injury, which is different than the injury he had uh, earlier this season that caused him to miss some time. So he is, it's, it's unclear what his status is going to be, but that's looking like a concern. He's made a really big difference for them when he's on the field, um, especially when they're blitz, when they're not blitzing, just having his ability to get to the quarterback has really made a difference for them. They're averaging a 30.5% pressure rate when Davenport is on the field this season, 26.1% pressure rate when he's off the field. Uh, to sort of translate those numbers a little bit, if we just compare those two numbers to the overall league rankings, that's the difference between ranking 16th when he's on the field or t- to 29th when he's off the field. So they're not a good, they don't have a good pass rush at all. Um, but when he's on the field, they're league average. And when he's off the field, they're among the worst in the league. So if for some reason he's unable to go, I, I think that would certainly uh increase my confidence in the bills in this game, potentially having a very easy victory. It might, it might make me, uh, I, I think the, in that case, the bet that I might be interested in taking is just the bills team total, because without any pressure, you know, if, if you're not going to get any pressure on Josh Allen, certainly like the uh, bills passing game to have a big day. Um, and the saints, you know, when they don't blitz, which they don't blitz at a high rate, they, they seem to struggle with or without, Davenport, 24% pressure rate, which ranks 27th and they don't blitz. So uh, losing Davenport would hurt them a lot. And, you know, they're not a great, uh, they're not a great pass rushing team either way. Now, one one of the areas where I do think the Saints have a bit of an advantage in this game is in the run game, because the Bills really lean heavily on 11 personnel in their run game. And the Saints have been great in that situation. They're allowing 3.4 yards per attempt to running backs versus 11 personnel, which leads the league. Uh, They also contact the ball carrier at or behind the line of scrimmage 50% of the time versus 11 personnel that ranks fourth in the league. So the fact that they're having success against the bills preferred uh, method of running the ball definitely makes me think that they could have some success shutting things down there. But, you know, again, if you're just forcing the ball into Josh Allen's hands more, I don't know that necessarily that's a huge advantage overall. So, you know, the, the one area where I think we can take advantage of this knowledge is maybe to bet the under on Zach Moss's longest rush. And I'm leaning towards taking Moss here for a couple reasons. First of all, 
In 11 personnel, Devin Singletary is averaging 5.4 yards per attempt. Zach Moss, 3.4 yards per attempt. So Moss has been significantly less efficient in these situations, knowing that he's not has not done great in 11 personnel and the Saints have been dominant against 11 personnel rushing attempts this season. I think that we should uh, feel pretty good about Moss's inability to pick up chunks of yardage, specifically because of that stat that I referenced for the Saints contacting the ball carrier 50% of the time at or behind the line of scrimmage in 11 personnel. I've, I've thrown out this stat a few times, but when, uh, when a running back picks up 15 or more yards, 80% of the time, it's when they went uncontacted for three or more yards. So the fact that the Saints really aren't allowing that to happen really decreases the chance that Moss breaks off a long run in this game. I'm leaning, I'm also specifically highlighting his longest rush prop as opposed to his rushing yards prop because of the game script. Just because of all these injuries for the Saints, I'm expecting a Bills victory, possibly a pretty easy victory, especially if a lot of these guys that have been injured are going to sit out again. Um, I, I think it could potentially be an easy win for the Bills. And in that case, we should expect to see more opportunities for Moss. I know he barely got into the action last week. Uh, we saw a lot of Matt Breida getting into the mix last week. It was basically a three-way timeshare between Singletary, Moss, and Breida. But they, that was a blowout loss against the Colts. So we shouldn't really be surprised that Moss had a really steep drop-off in his touches last week because – He's been the guy the Bills lean on when they have a lead. 51% of uh, he has a 51% share of the running back handoffs when the Bills are playing with a lead. So he's the guy that they like to just kind of grind it out with. He's not explosive. He's not picking up chunk yardage. But when they have a lead and they just want to kind of, you know, run the clock a little bit, control the ball for a while in the second half, Moss is their preferred method of doing so. Um, so if he's running the ball in obvious running situations against a good run defense that limits uh, a running back's ability to create chunk yardage, I think even if he does get an uptick in his opportunities, he's it's going to be difficult for him to just break off a long run. So I'm hoping that this prop is available around 11 yards. I would probably still take it if it were available at 10 and a half yards, betting the under on Zach Moss's longest rush attempt if it's somewhere in that range. Uh, looking at some other props for this game that I like, it has a lot to do with the Saints coverage scheme. We're going to talk about a few of the Bills uh, pass, passing weapons here. Um, the Saints play a really high rate of man coverage. Obviously, these days, nobody in the league relies uh, heavily on man coverage. But the Saints play the sixth highest rate, 36% of the time they're in man coverage. And I think that bodes really well for Stefan Diggs. So I'm going to take the over on his receiving yards Based on where it's been available in recent weeks, I'm expecting it to be available around 80 yards, and I like the over if it's there. Uh, when teams line up in man coverage against the Bills, Stefan Diggs, he's a 36% target share. Against all other coverage schemes, Diggs, he's a 21% target share, which is actually second behind Cole Beasley. So it seems like, and it makes perfect sense, when Josh Allen knows he's got Stefan Diggs one-on-one -on -one in man coverage against somebody, he's going to go that direction. He's going to let his receiver uh, make a play because more often than not, Diggs is the better player in that one-on-one -on -one matchup in man coverage. And in this case, we might see shadow coverage from Marshawn Lattimore, uh, which, you know, Lattimore throughout his career has had moments where he has looked very good, but the past few seasons, he has not been playing up to the level where he was early in his career. And that's 
Uh, that's certainly been true as well. According to Sports Info Solutions, he's allowing 9.5 yards per target in coverage this season. So, you know, Lat- Lattimore, one of his strengths is he does get his hands on the ball a decent amount. So he can, uh, you know, he could cause a turnover or something like that at some point in this game if he's seeing a lot of targets while he's lined up on digs. But I also think the odds of digs just getting over the top of him and making big plays downfield, you know, a couple times this game is certainly a possibility. So, uh, I, I think we should expect to see uh, an increased target share for Diggs based on the Saints' tendency to play more man coverage. And I definitely like that matchup if he's getting lined up with Marshawn Lattimore a lot. I think Diggs could have a real big game in this uh, matchup. So as I said, that that prop lately has been available around 80 yards, and I like the over on Stefan Diggs' receiving yards at that number. Uh, another one I like is the Dawson Knox. Bill's tight end. I like the under on his receiving yards. And again, this has to do with the Saints defense. Uh, this number for him was available at 35 and a half yards last week. The number has fluctuated a lot throughout the season. So I don't know exactly where it'll fall. 35 and a half was a little on the high side. So maybe it drops to a level where I wouldn't want to take it. I think if it drops below 30 yards, maybe I would stay away. But you know, if it's on the high side of 30 yards, I like the under on Dawson Knox receiving yards. The Saints have defended tight ends well this season. They're allowing 5.5 yards per target to tight ends, a 61% completion rate. Uh, both of those numbers rank fourth in the league. Um, and another re- one of the reasons why I think we might get a good number for Dawson Knox here is because he had 10 targets last week. But again, that was in a blowout loss to the Colts. So they were throwing the ball a lot against a team that has struggled to defend the tight end. So not only was the game script favorable, for Knox to see a lot of targets, but the matchup was as well. In this case, we have a situation where the game script may not lead to a huge passing volume for the Bills once they build up a lead. And then it's not a great defensive matchup. The Saints have done a good job defending tight ends. And, you know, if if we just look at uh, Knox's target share breakdown based on when the Bills are winning and losing, he's not a guy that they tend to force the ball to a lot uh, when they're in a good situation when they're winning. Uh, when the Bills are trailing, Knox sees a 19% target share. When they're winning, he sees an 11% target share. So it it's definitely seems like this game, based on the matchup, based on the, some trends in his usage there, it's not going to be an ideal situation for him to see a, a big volume this week. So assuming we get his, his receiving yards prop available north of 30 yards, I like the under on Dawson Knox's receiving yards prop. So that's it for all the games. Uh, we went through a bunch this week. I, since we obviously have a lot of uh, increased attention on these Thanksgiving games, I wanted to really dig deep and find a bunch of props to give for you guys. Hopefully uh, make your Thanksgiving a little bit more enjoyable. I'll quickly run through the uh, props that I gave out just sort of give them to you all real quickly. For the Bears-Lions game, I've got two scenarios based on if Fields plays. And if he doesn't, if Fields does play, I like the over on Justin Fields' passing yards, hoping that number is available around 215, but we might play the over if it rises up even to around 230. If Fields does not play, like the under on Cole Komet's receptions, hoping to get that number around 3.5. And I like the under on Darnell Mooney's receiving yards, hoping to get that number around 50 yards. For the Raiders-Cowboys game, I like the under on Derek Carr's passing yards are at 269 and a half like the over on Dak Prescott's passing yards. Hopefully that number is around 290 or so. We think he's in line for a 300-yard game this week. And I like the over on Dalton Schultz's receptions. That number has typically been available at 4.5 lately. 
And for the nightcap, Bill Saints, we've got the under on Zach Moss's longest rush, hoping that's available about 10 or 11 yards. Stefan Diggs like the over on his receiving yards, hoping that number is around 80 yards. And Dawson Knox, the under on his receiving yards. Hopefully that number is around 30 to 35 yards. Take the under if it is. That's all for this week's show. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend and catch up with you guys next week. We'll be right back.